Sound Design. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by the co-founder of Audio Test Kitchen, Alex Oana. Alex, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thank you, Nathan. Really a pleasure to be here with you in real time across many <laughs> thousands of miles, but you're located back where I spent um, almost two decades going to college and making records and mixing live sound. And uh, now I'm on the West Coast in LA and you you got me out of bed real early this morning <laughs> at a super non-rock and roll time of the day, man. That's when I should have been going to bed. <laughs> Yeah, and not at the same time, but we've switched places because I spent several years living in Oakland and then moved to Minneapolis only a few years ago. Um, so honestly, I'm during the winter, that. yeah, I wish we could <laughs> trade places sometimes. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Alex, I'm really excited to talk to you about Audio Test Kitchen today and um, all of the ways that that people in the Sounds On Live community can use the tool and and how you built it. Um, but before we do that, when you get, let's say when you get into a studio and you're trying to maybe figure out how it sounds and what it feels like for the first time, what's maybe one of the first audio test tracks you like to play to, um, you know, see how it feels and, and how it's going to work for you? Steely Dan Peg. <laughs> I seen your picture. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, Donald Fagan, Nightfly. I mean, come on. Daft Punk. Everything just feels right. So Alex, how did you get your first job in audio? Like what was your first paying gig? Oh man, you know, for getting a first anything for me, I think has been a result of being passionate. And that can at some points in one's career trump expertise or talent. <laughs> and like, I think the first job in, in audio that I got was just, I was there and I kept showing up and I kept being like really like into it and really intense. And I was in Northfield, Minnesota and I was still in college. And uh, I, first of all, I got a job within St. Olaf College's like kind of technical services. And so I was hauling around TVs on carts. You know? <laughs> That's then, funny. That was my first job in audio as well, except it was for the recording department for for the music department doing recording, but it's very similar, I think, to what you were doing. And so I think by the time my, my senior year of college, I um, caught the the attention of the big time uh, audio production uh, company in Northfield, Minnesota, that would do the big gigs in the Twin Cities, right? And so, because uh, the, the owner and uh, operator of that company, Brent Day of Day Productions, um, he like saw me working working the shows at St. Olaf and down at the local club, and I was like, "Hey kid, <laughs> come here. Let me take you into my wing." Really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, there may be some accuracy to that, but you know, like you, we need people to recognize our ambition and our passion. I remember Lauren Wicklander of Southern Thunder. Cool. Good name. Lauren, shout out. Yeah, so Lauren <laughs> is now uh, works with Axiom, uh, which is an Italian brand of like loudspeakers and pro audio stuff. But I remember sitting across from Lauren, I had mixed his band. His wife is a lead singer in a Patsy Cline cover band, and he's playing <laughs> drums. 
And I was just like, I got, and, and, and my friend Brent Day, who was hiring me for Day Productions was like, hey, this guy could, this guy could give you a, this guy could give you a gig someday, you know, do a really good job. <laughs> so I made a cassette recording and like, uh, I like cared so much about like the way they sounded live at that show and the way the recording sounded really as, as early as I could in my career, I, I would record the shows and then that, that turned into just recording for the sake of recording and really being so interested in that fine tuning process of those audio relationships. Um, and it's a kind of a different world between live and, and, and the studio. There's a club in, in Minneapolis downtown called the fine line music cafe. Mm. And I, when I was a, a, a wee lad in college, l looking through the, the window of the club, just going like, look at the pretty lights and all the people. <laughs> and I saw the, like, the meters going up and down on the console. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get my hands on that console someday. Sexy and then stuff. eventually I did. I got my breakthrough. I got my chance from Lauren Wicklander of Southern Thunder. Thank you, Lauren. And, um, and then there was another moment in there where I was, um, so I was recording the bands. That was like a super important thing. So, and I was doing it for either free or for like so little money. And I would record them on a, a stereo digital, you know, DAT tape, you know, like a digital audio tape. Yeah. And then eventually an eight track ADAT tape, digital, oh, cool. and, or, or sometimes just a cassette. But I would like pay as much attention to the live mix that I was crafting and they're a great monitor mix for them on, on stage as I would this kind of submix out of out of the the buses, the groups that I was creating onto the tape. And it had to be a different balance. You know, the, what's gonna sound good in the room is not gonna, you have to create a different balance for what's gonna sound good on the tape. So um, I did that. And then people were coming to me saying like, dude, your board mix sounds better than the album that we just made <laughs> in the studio. So I knew I was onto something and then that served as a bridge for me to what I really wanted to do, which was to be in the studio. You've gone on to do more live sound, lots of recording. You have the software project now. And I know we, that there are a lot of interesting stories in there, but I was wondering if maybe you could pick one. And what I want you to think about is maybe one decision that you made to get more of the work that you really loved. So I wonder if you could sort of, can you think of something and sort of take us to that moment? Yeah, it probably is around the time of transitioning my career from live sound to the studio. And a super important thing for anybody to do when they imagine a place they want to go and they're not there yet is to, number one, allow themselves to imagine it and then talk about it and put it out there. And I want to tell you something really simple I did that changed my whole life. So there I am, I'm the front of house engineer at the Fine Line Music Cafe, downtown Minneapolis, a venue that's about 600 people at max. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's like a bar and it's a restaurant and it's a nightclub. And um, back when I was mixing there, like Prince would sometimes show up yeah. and just like, I remember I was spotlight up even one time <laughs> because some other band like had brought their front of house and Prince was like, three feet away from me in the balcony amazing and my hands are burning on this like giant like incandescent <laughs> like you know tinder box that's about to burn the venue down and it's like is that really him and like that feeling that you get of like there's something fame the like electricity anyway so um there was uh at this club the fine line uh, there was a bouncer. So just the dude at the door had nothing to do with music or sound or anything like that. 
Um, but his side hustle, I'm not sure which was his side hustle. Uh, he was also a realtor and he, we were friendly and, 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 uh, I was chatting with him and, and, uh, he maybe said something about like, Hey, what, you know, are you, are you ever looking for, you know, a property to buy? And I'm like, you know what I'm looking for? <laughs> I, w- I want to buy a place where I can set up a studio. Oh, really? Okay, cool. And then I was like, and I was like, I think it's going to be a barn and it's going to be out in the country and it's going to be this huge thing. And then, you know, chat and chat and chat. And then a couple months later, he's like, dude, I found a place. Oh. And so it was, a, it was a little house in a part of um, uh, Minneapolis next to the University of Minnesota, affectionately referred to as Dinky Town. Uh-huh. And Dinky Town is this little community of like shops and houses and stuff next to the U. And um, there was a little house. Um where in the 70s, a record label called Twin Tone Records had started just a couple music freaks. And then from that, they're like, well, we need to record our bands. And so they like started recording their bands in the living room. And eventually sometime in the early 80s, they even built an addition on the house and they sliced a big hole in the side of the house so they could have like real control room glass. And, And so all of a sudden it was a house and a studio and this is the place that the bouncer from the fine line took me over there and it was such a dump. It was, it was, it smelled, <laughs> it was, it looked like no one had like opened the curtains or windows in, in a decade. Oh no. Um, but I was like, okay, I can live here. I can work here. I can, there's a couple extra rooms I can rent out. I'm taking it. And it was so little money. It was like 80 something thousand dollars. So like at the time, I mean, uh, this was like early uh, 90s. Uh-huh. I, I mean, that was like an astronomical amount of money, right? But somehow I, I mustered with the help, I think my mom loaned me some some cash. Sure. And then like by the time the sale went through though, I had the cash. I'm like, mom, uh, I don't need your cash anymore. But mom, that $4,000 that you loaned me, <laughs> could I keep it and buy some gear with it? <laughs> And so I did that. So I bought my first recording console, wow. a Mackie 32, uh, a 38 bus, an eight bus, all analog, no compression. Sure. <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah. I, I really love hearing that story because so many times I hear people telling me that um, I really just, I need to get, I need to get myself out there. And to a lot of people that means um, sending their resume to a lot of studios or to a lot of um, production houses. And I think you just have to keep in mind that that is kind of the first thing that everybody thinks about. Right. And you're basically doing the coldest form of communication and outreach that you can. Um, but I hear a lot of stories like yours where it was because you were so passionate in talking to a lot of people that then, you know, those sort of, uh, all your connections and your network starts to really engage and like, and then, and then, something like this happens, you can get an opportunity. And then, you know, you threw your hat over the fence and you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna make this work, but you you made it work. So thank you for totally not. years ahead. How did you get so many recommendations on LinkedIn? You have somewhere north of 20. So you have like 21 or 23. Yeah. And most sound engineers have maybe one or two. My thought on that is like, you know, it's, it's your network and it's, it's treating people right. And it's your passion and it's giving. And like, I likely would have written a recommendation in, um, 
uh, in response, or or uh, maybe I initiated by writing a recommendation for someone else. And perhaps this happened at a time when LinkedIn software itself was more focused on like, hey, you're a new member or whatever, build your profile. Maybe they still do that. Um, but I, th- I think that that's, that's key to it right there. It's about in every scenario that you're in, a, a work scenario, any kind of relationship, you have an opportunity not just to do the job, but to be a great person and, and to treat people right. And if the number the high number of recommendations I have on LinkedIn is an indication of anything. Hopefully it's an indication that um, not only did I do a good job, but like I, I cared, you know, I cared about the people. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my career actually is those moments in time when I put the project before the people and dude, every time that happened, it got painful. There was a painful moment where there was a reckoning and like, one thing that's that's cool about relationships is it's like nature. If there's an imbalance, it will force you to deal with that imbalance at some point. Um, or else you're just going to die of stress, which I prefer not to do. So for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, you'll want to know that we're also recording video. So this will be on YouTube. So at some point in this conversation, if Alex starts to show us um, websites and things on his computer. Um, he's gonna, we'll also try to describe that, but just also know that there's a video on YouTube that you can go and look at of, of what we're actually doing on his computer. For people who don't know, what is the goal of audio test kitchen? Why would I go there? What's like the problem I want to solve, uh, with this tool you've created? Audio test kitchen lets you hear the gear before you buy it. Audio Test Kitchen lets you hear the gear. If you have questions about like, how does this thing sound? Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're an enthusiast. Uh, an enthusiast. What's a better word than that, Nathan? A hobbyist, whatever. You just love uh-huh. sound. You're sure. curious, right? Um, but doesn't it make sense that in a world, in a world where, <laughs> <laughs> where like it's so easy to transmit, you know, technically speaking, high quality audio, high quality video over the internet, to wherever people are. And there's these products that make sound or shape a sound or capture a sound. Doesn't that kind of make sense that like you would be able to audition how those tools sound before you buy them? I mean, the, all this, everything's in place except for the raw data that you need to be able to adequately audition in a neutral, unbiased environment and compare those to other uh, pieces of gear in that same category. So that's what Audio Test Kitchen did. Yes, that would be the next question for most people is, yes, it makes sense. Oh, but how would you do that? That's impossible, right? And we're gonna get into how you did that. But first I just wanted to sort of draw people's attention to the way that we have all traditionally done this, which is most people, in my case, either you're on a show and, and you get to try something new, a new microphone, you're like, oh, this new microphone, let's try that. That sounds different. Or you go to a music store and probably lots of people have had this experience of going to the music store where they have a bunch of different microphones set up and you can basically pick them up and talk into them or sing into them or whatever you want. And they have headphones. And that gives you a particular experience where you get to hear your own voice through a bunch of different microphones. And that's eye-opening for a lot of people, right? All of a sudden- oh, but you, you know, do... in that context, not only do you get to hear your own voice, you get to hear all the background noise in, in, right. the, in the store, the air conditioning <laughs> unit, right. and you can turn up the headphones so loud that 
anything sounds <laughs> blisteringly amazing. Right. So kind of two problems there, right? Which is one, you have to go to this place where they have this and, and they only have like six or seven. Um, and then, yeah, there's all this background noise and you don't really get to, to use um, the conditions that you want to hear the microphone under in the studio or uh, in live use. Cool. So let's get into it a little bit more. Um, next, I'd like to just know like where you got the idea from and then maybe we can actually uh, take a look at the site itself. So, dude, I've been a audio enthusiast as like a young listener, listening to stereos and 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 building hi-fi systems, in, in, just in terms of selecting the right parts to go together. And then that evolved into becoming a live sound engineer and a recording engineer. And then that evolved into me writing for some magazines like Pro Audio Review, which doesn't exist anymore, Sound on Sound, um, Pro Sound News, these kinds of things. And, and coming from the perspective of trying to review gear. So a, a review is supposed to serve as a kind of a surrogate for like, hey, let me have an experience with the gear. So and, and, and write about it and describe it clearly enough and from some kind of position that allows you to develop an understanding and maybe even make conclusions about that piece of gear. So I was in that role. And then I started working for Vintage King Audio as a salesperson. So here I'm on the phone, I'm answering emails and I'm trying to do the same thing. It's like, oh, you, I've got, I'm surrounded by this gear. And eventually at a, the Los Angeles Vintage King showroom, which is like one of the only places on the planet that actually has gear plugged in that you can come and check out and, and audition. And so I'm surrounded by this stuff and poor you, and I really mean that, poor these people on the other end of the phone or email, they have no access. They can't come and hear the gear, gear for themselves. They can't touch it and, and, and get some kind of experience with it. So I was always this, in this um, you know fortunate and unfortunate position of being like, a, a translator and an interpreter and like uh, on two levels. And number one, my goal is like, okay, well, what problem do you want to solve? What do you want to sound like? Uh, uh, what inspires you? So I've got to translate your ability. You, you, number one, you've got to have an ability to translate your desires, your thoughts, your way of talking about sound. Then I take that in and interpret it. And you saying like, you know, warm, that has a meaning to you. Warm might have a totally different meaning to me. Okay, now we're into a game of telephone. And through this, the, so we've got a, a process that breaks down. It's like, you've got an intention, you've got a desire, something that you're looking for. Some, you're trying to, to get tools that will translate your innermost vision, your desire. And then you're looking through several layers of telephone to try to, to actually get that piece of gear to translate your, your thoughts and to convey, you know, who you are as a, you know, your voice as a podcaster, your voice as a singer, your fingers as a guitarist, whatever. Um, and so that, it just made sense to me that why don't we just stop this game of telephone and why don't we just make it so that the person with the vision in their head for how they want to sound can just audition the tools that make the sound, shape the sound, that capture the sound themselves. That's really great. So it was really through all these conversations you were having of trying to describe gear to people or help them make purchasing decisions uh, that led you to, to 
you were trying to figure out how do we stop this game of telephone and how do I just bring the gear to you without me actually like driving to your house and like setting up a hundred microphones. We are the first to admit that if you could create the perfect scenario where like every microphone, let's say for example, because Audio Test Kitchen launched with a library of 300 large diaphragm condenser microphones, all comparable online, all standardized recordings um, in this unbiased interface. Um, but it, and let's just say like you, Nathan, are thinking about 20 of them, right? They're in the right price range. They're like, they're, they're, that's, that's on your short list. So if I could set up a scenario in the studio, it's, it's your studio. You know the speakers, you know the headphones, you know the acoustics. Um, everything is perfectly level matched. Um, and I'm going to standardize these conditions one step further. I'm going to make it so that the, every, the, that the source that we record through every one of those microphones never changes. Well, what the heck source is that? I mean, so, and so imagine now trying to do that in a store or somebody else's studio. Okay. All of a sudden it's not your space, not your listening environment, not your speakers, not your headphones. Um, uh, you might feel under pressure. If, um, you know, you're paying for that studio time or if you're like in a store in that environment. Um, and certainly, even if you just walked around that, that room where you had all those microphones level matched and set up perfectly and you talked into each one or you had someone playing to each one, there are variables galore. And so all of a sudden what happens is you're going to start making conclusions about, about the gear that have nothing to do with the gear. <laughs> they have to do with like, oh, your acoustic guitar that you're auditioning in every one of those mics, it went slightly out of tune on a couple of them. Or the, the, the tuning changed, whatever. And it changed in such a way that when you're comparing one mic versus another, you're like, there's something I like a little better about this mic. Well, there, there may be truly differences between those two microphones, but the source that you recorded on them also changed. Mm -hmm. Well, so now what are you comparing? So we had to solve two really huge problems with with the way that people have been able to audition gear in the past. And that is like, we wanted to bring it to your environment that you're comfortable with, you're familiar with, um, the, the power of that that comparison. And then we also, we also knew that we needed to make it so the only variable is the gear itself. The source never changes. So that's, that really um, was our journey. And that, that's, that's our, our big one-two punch breakthrough, delivering those comparisons to you in a way that you can easily uh, do them. And that's our website um, in an unbiased controlled setting. And then creating the conditions and capturing the data that powers these comparisons. And you know what, man? Uh, another role that I've had in my career is I've also been a manufacturer. I, I was um, the vice president of Slate, Slate Digital, Slate Media Technology, and I created a product called the Raven. So it's a touchscreen controller for DAWs. And although that thing does not make a sound, it does not process a sound, I, being in that manufacturer's seat, the last thing you want is, the, is for the users, for, for retailers, to not get it, to not get what you've created. And so let's say that I'm a microphone manufacturer. And some, um, my problem then is helping, is, is needing people to understand what I've created. What is the sound of this thing that I've created? And having been in that seat, now as a running audio test kitchen, I know how much 
passion and blood, sweat and tears has gone into the creation of these products. And the last thing we wanted to do is to misrepresent the way these products sound in our comparisons in Audio Test Kitchen. And so we talked with manufacturers. We said, like, how do you um, measure the quality of your microphones? How do you, um, um, what kinds of tests do you perform to even develop the tools that you create? So we incorporated some of those same techniques. And um, I, I can, I want to fast forward to launch day and after now, nine months after our initial beta launch and seven months after our public launch, we have had no complaints from 54 microphone manufacturers. Wow. Congratulations. The people who make the most expensive, you know, $10,000 Sony C800 or Telefunken microphones all the way down to an $80 Sterling mic. I mean, this is miraculous that 250 physical microphones could have all been represented in a fair and accurate way to what those mics really sound like in, in real life. Sure. And I'll say one more thing, and that's because we recorded them in real life. We didn't simulate anything. We didn't digitally model anything. We put these microphones up in, in, in acoustic environments and created all kinds of different scenarios from the lowest lows to the highest highs and, you know, vocals and guitars and drums and, and all this stuff. So you've uh, mentioned several times how important it was the test procedure that you used. Yeah. So I want to talk about that for uh, a minute because I know that's kind of the question on people's minds as, there's list as they're listening to this. There's a lot of people that listen to uh, the Sound Design Live podcast that do measurement and that mm. work on live shows and measurement is very important to them. So I know that we could fill a whole other interview with just going through all the methods because there oh, are God. multiple instruments and then how you handled all of that. And there's all these workflows you had to develop to make those multiple instruments. And I first just want to direct people to a YouTube video called Audio Test Kitchen has revolutionized the microphone shootout. Because mm. when you watch that, you will be able to watch Alex uh, talk about how they worked with a kick drum and how they set up the microphones and um, where things went wrong. And then the entire signal chain just for that one thing. And so to see like a half an hour of him just talking about this one instrument in this one scenario, you realize like what he had to go through to, to figure all this stuff out. So I thought maybe instead of that, we could talk about the vocals. So let's talk about uh, the workflow for recording the vocals. And I'll just say, so you don't have to repeat it, in the app itself, it says um, vocals, single vocal performed by a laboratory grade neutral microphone in an anechoic chamber Reamplified via a vocal surrogate loudspeaker into each product microphone one at a time. And I looked, and then later on, you say that that laboratory grade neutral microphone, I believe, is a Sheps MK2. We were very listening driven in our, in our uh, R&D process um, because uh, my team and I, which uh, at the time in our, our, our uh, this development process of like, okay, how can we actually create um, a system where like, if you put a, a loudspeaker in front of a microphone, it sounds just like a human being in front of that microphone. We were really skeptical that that was possible. And so you've, Nathan, you have like thrown me right into the hot seat with like <laughs> the hardest, one of the hardest things that we had to do. And one of the most important use cases for microphones is 
vocals, right? So how do you how do you uh, c- c- maintain consistency? And and your question it goes taps right into a fundamental principle of audio test kitchen. That is the source can never change. Because if, if you if we recorded the most amazing vocalist in the world who was capable of singing near perfectly 250 times, you know, into every microphone, first of all, that would take a week. <laughs> <laughs> we would have to be serving them the exact same lemon and honey tea, you know, at, at, the, at, at precise intervals. <laughs> so we, we actually tried some of that and it just wasn't humanly possible. And we would, as we were comparing microphones, we would get fooled like, oh, wait, do I like that mic better because the performance is different? So we had to eliminate all that stuff. We created it, what we called our vocal surrogate, which actually is capable of re-singing into a microphone. So in order to find that Shep's uh, CMC6 body with an MK2 Omni capsule, in order to find the DPA 4011, those are the two capture mics that we use, um, in order to find the Atom S3H loudspeaker and the ATC SCM 45A loudspeaker that served as our vocal surrogates, we spent months testing all kinds of different microphones, all kinds of different loudspeakers in different acoustic environments uh, at different reamplification dis- distances. We really relied on our ears to, first of all, steer us to like, hey, sure, this mic has a a really flat response, but like, does it sound like music? Does it sound like a person? You know, would I, closing my eyes, believe that that is an acoustic guitar playing live into that microphone? Can I close my eyes and believe that is a person singing into that microphone? So that was really our first getting over the hump. Our next getting over the hump, the last, five or 10% of getting it perfect, you know, oftentimes that's the hardest thing, right? That last 5%, it's the most expensive, it's the most time consuming. And uh, that's when we really needed a breakthrough and we had to uh, a call, in, call in a lifeline. And, and fortunately, uh, someone picked up on the other end. Wait, what happened? Oh, 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 you want to know? So we were in. (laughs) Hello, Harmon Harmon Laboratories, Dr. Sean Olive speaking. Yeah, yeah, we we had done as much as we could in our own studio facilities, um, you know, just traditional recording studios. And we um, had access to some of the world's greatest um, loudspeakers and capture microphones. Um, actually, courtesy of us being in a studio that was parked above Vintage King Audio's L.A. showroom. I and mean, this was like years after I had already um, left Vintage King. I had formerly been a salesperson and marketing person with them. Um, but I still have a great relationship with them. And they they loaned us speakers and, 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 and stuff. So we got to really test the best of the best. So our breakthrough, though, the, the, to close that last 5 or 10% gap, we knew we needed really like, we knew we needed the kind of facilities where real audio R&D and development is done. So I'm talking like anechoic chamber, right? And <clears throat> for those of you who know what an anechoic chamber is, you know that it's a place where you can go in and you can, as I've been talking about, eliminate all the variables except the one that you want to test. So it's a room where you, when you make a sound in it, it's not going to throw anything back at you, no artifacts. So, and echo, of course, we know what that is, and meaning lack of or none. So we got anechoic, no echoes, right? Um, 
So what we we knew that we needed to be in an environment like this so we could um, identify the final differences between what we were capturing um, in in that process of bottling a human voice, bottling an acoustic performance from an acoustic guitar, and then re-singing that into these large diaphragm condenser microphones, because there was still a little bit of a difference. Our measurement capabilities were tapped out. That was it. So we got really fortunate to actually on a, a tour of the Harmon facilities that we very craftily got ourselves on. They walked us back through the laboratory part and where all the chambers are. And we had our laptop in the backpack ready to show them a demo. <laughs> and we already had the 250 physical microphones. This we is how been... you got a meeting at Harmon totally. just going this... on a tour? Yeah, <laughs> we booked a tour. Dude, talk about just like, you know, re- refusing to, uh, you know, uh, to be to be stopped. You, this is the kind of stuff you've got to do in your Great. career. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can't just send out your resume like you're talking about, Nathan. You know, you can't just drop the email. Like we had called these guys. We got, you know... Inter- we, we thought we got introed by like the former president of the AES freaking called them on our behalf and we got nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. We thought it was a no, right? But so we book ourselves on this tour. Okay, last ditch effort. We're out here at Harmon's facilities. Luckily, they're nearby where we live in Southern California. And we walk back through the lab and they're like, oh, hi. And we're like, hey, we're audio test kitchen, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. We were just talking about you. Interesting. And we're like, what? Serendipity. Talk about network effects. So pre, we would, NAM had just, uh, the, the trade show NAM in, in Anaheim, California, had just commenced. And um, one of our buddies, Ted White, over at Focusrite, had also, had also worked at Harmon and had mentioned something about what we were doing. And so when we showed up, not only did we finally have a face-to-face with the very people on the planet who could help us, um, but we also had a... a a warm introduction made prior to that. So Dr. Sean Olive, he's a super duper bigwig in, in the in the field of acoustics and has created such things as like a headphone target curve, which is like, imagine you had the question, how if I could correct the response of every headphone or if as a headphone designer, I was trying to target a certain frequency response, what's, what's the target? Harmon is like one of one or two or three people or organizations on the planet who has defined how how headphones should sound. And this is the kind of stuff you can do when you have an anechoic chamber. Uh, And they have four of them. So Dr. Sean Olive, Todd Welty, Omid Kansarapur, and Dan Pai welcomed us with open arms. And we spent probably two months there doing research uh, and also then doing a final capture of the way that we wanted to, once we had Nathan bottled the, the vocals, we wanted to replay and re-sing these vocals in different acoustic environments to represent what, you know, someone who's actually, you know, buys one of these microphones and uses one of the, these microphones might experience themselves. So we did one in, in the, we um, re-amplified or re-sang in the Anacoak chamber. So there were zero artifacts. We did one in kind of a, a medium room, kind of like bedroom acoustics-ish. And then we did one in a more lively, larger room. Um, so it was through working with being able to, to be in a controlled environment with some of their test tools 
and being able to to analyze, okay, here's how close Audio Test Kitchen could get in the traditional recording studio, the difference between a live vocal and a one that's bottled and reamplified. Let's measure that difference. And then Harmon just went like, okay, we're going to take that difference and null it out. That's gone. Cool. So all of a sudden we were in a position where the bottled and reamplified vocal was indistinguishable when you close your eyes from the real thing. One of the things that you would like to know probably about Audio Test Kitchen is that it's free. And um, you can make, when you first arrive at it, if you've never, um, if you've never been there before, um, you're going to have a few microphones you can play with in the taste test. And that's the, the area at the top, right below the place where you hit play and you see the waveform. The taste test is where you do your audio comparisons. And below that, we call that the flex box. And you can do a lot of stuff in there, like compare frequency response graphs, and you can search for more microphones. The second you hit that little magnifying glass, the, the search thing, the second you hit that magnifying glass for search, um, if you're not already a logged in user, just create a free account and please sign up for, join the mailing list. And, and here's why, because we've only released half the content that we've captured on these 300 microphones. We've got tons more that we're going to put out there. And there's a, there's a few really fun Easter eggs that we're going to put out soon. Um, these are the category that you, that we have now is large diaphragm condenser mics, but we also recorded an SM7. SM58 and a SM57 alongside all these large diaphragm mics um, just to have as a reference point because everybody knows those, right? So you'll you'll be able to find out about that um, when you join the mailing list. Cool. All right. So we've got in the search box hundreds of microphones. And I think what we should do is, um, you know, there's some cool ones in the taste test already. We got one from Lewitt, one from Townsend Labs is a modeling mic, one from Sterling, a hundred bucks, one from Gage. But I'm gonna clear out that test right now. I'm just gonna put those microphones in a cupboard. And I'll tell you, you know, cupboard is a kitchen theme, but it's also what uh, uh, the Brits call the place where they store their microphones, their mic cupboard. And so I'm gonna click on the cupboard here and it's right next to the, it's a tab in the, in the, in the uh, flex box where you also do search. And that's where you can kind of store your stuff. You can create a little collection to, um, to test. Um, and you can also like save stuff for later if you want there. So um, I'm gonna go back to the search box and I'm gonna click in the upper right hand corner that filters. And I'm just gonna do kind of like, like what's a question a lot of people have on their mind? I, I'd say in the studio realm, it's like, hey, um, do I have to spend $3,000 on a U87? Yes, that's a really good point. I think one of the biggest first questions is how much do I need to spend? Like, can I get away with a $100 or $200 mic? Or do I need to jump up to a thousand? Like, what's the different? How do those two price ranges compare? Totally. I mean, it's a totally legit question. And I think another thing to ask yourself is it's so we give you for the first time ever the ability to do a legitimate totally unbiased comparison between an $80 mic and a $10,000 mic and anything in between. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. You can compare the sound, you can compare the frequency response graphs and, and like it's mind blowing and you will find gems at every price range. But I have to tell you, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, what a microphone costs. 
um, is a reflection of a number of things. It might be due to, um, you know, the brand value. But now before you toss out just like, oh, it's just a brand name. Let's think about this for a second. Why might I want to spend $3,000 plus on a Neumann U87? Well, because if I run a voiceover studio, that might be the very thing that my clients need to see that I have on my gear list to trust that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, as an generates engineer. credibility, sure. Right, credibility, exactly. So, and and also, like, if you want another reason to get a, to pay um, for a, a Neumann brand three uh, a U87 might be um, because you need to maintain a certain consistency and be able to collaborate with others and have the same sound from studio to studio. I mean, that was the reason why you know a lot of people um, installed solid state logic consoles in their studios in the 80s and 90s was so that you we could have this what we have now with DAWs which is like the same sound wherever you go so mm -hmm. you could work in multiple locations multiple cities anyway so there's a, a use there's a reason why a brand and the, the what you would pay for it if you feel like that is in a, you know um has something more to it it goes beyond the sound another thing that uh, is a um can be something that uh, in, makes one product more expensive than another that isn't sound related is build quality, um, is component selection. Um, th so it, again, talking about that last 5%, Nathan, like the last 5% often the most expensive, most time consuming part. And you've got companies like, uh, you know, I mentioned Telefunken earlier, they are, they are scrutinizing every last detail of their microphones and that, you know, to, to de deliver something that is going to last for you, that is going to, and, you know, maybe it has a better build quality and, and maybe they have better customer support. So you have to kind of keep all these things in mind when you are talking about getting your tools. And on the other end of that spectrum, there's also incredible opportunities for value um, at every price range. And you will find an audio test kitchen is, I think, the first tool to make it possible if sound is the most important thing and and sound is 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 your is the the top um quality by which you are choosing um and perhaps buying a piece of gear audio test kitchen gives you the opportunity to make your comparison solely based on that for the for the first time ever so now that i've talked all about this kind of u87 use case um in my filtered search i just typed in the numbers, the number 87, and came up all the microphones that uh, the, the, that are U87s. So there's only one, the Neumann U87, and all the clones of U87s. So let me pull up, say, the warm audio. So here's the Neumann U87, 3,600 bucks. I've uh, dr dragged that from the search up into my taste test. I just dragged the warm audio WA. Uh, 87 from the search into the taste test. And Nathan, um, you might notice that there, the, the microphone when it first loaded in the taste test is, um, is a little bit grayed out and it says loading audio. And that's because um, in order to make a really snappy interface that makes these comparisons um, instantaneous, we load a bunch of audio in the background. So you're act we're actually loading about 20 sources per microphone as soon as you add it to the taste test. So be a little bit patient, but then you, the, the reward, the payoff is when you're using the interface and it just responds instantaneously. Um, and then let's take an example I mentioned earlier, a modeling microphone. Let's take the Townsend Labs. Uh, it's, 
they have a modeling microphone, which is one that um, uh, is one physical microphone, and then they measure other um, they measure other microphones, anything from like a classic or and create a digital model of that and then apply it to the sound of their physical microphone and allows you to select the different sounding microphones right within their software in your DAW. Um, so they have one called the LD87. LD probably stands for large diaphragm. Um, let's look at the Peluso 87. So this is an all analog clone of, of a, uh, well, clone um, is a kind of a common term. I'm not sure the degree to which they were really attempting to clone 87, um, but that one's for $1,169. And then we'll pick out one more. Um, let's do Antelope. Antelope is another modeling microphone company. So it's a one physical microphone that you buy and then you can apply lots of different digital models to it. Now, for all that we've talked about sound, I actually wanna start with a really fun tool that is like gives your ears superpowers. And this was only possible through Harman Laboratories. So I'm gonna click on a tab of the flex box on the left and I'm gonna select frequency curve. Frequency response graphs up until this point in time have been a total mixed bag, a, a, a double-edged sword. A, they're, they're as hated as much as they're loved, and here's why: it's because if they're if the frequency response graphs are are measured and reported by each manufacturer in, uh, individually, they can apply their own uh, their own uh, smoothing, their own margins of error, their own reporting that doesn't necessarily necessarily relate. To the way another manufacturer sure. does, or even does how the their... graph looks, maybe like the X and the Y axis could be slightly different. Totally. Uh, the lines are in different places, <laughs> right? So yeah, exactly. They might have the exact same methodology and the same uh, um, um, transparency, but the way that they report it, you can't literally line it up. So thanks to Harman Labs, we were able to measure the frequency response of every one of these microphones in an identical setting in their anechoic chamber. And for the first time ever, make it so that you can do a, a frequency response comparison side by side, apples to apples of 300 microphones. Very so cool. yeah. here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click on that. So here's our ear superpowers. The, um, each microphone has its own color coding. So the Neumann U87, 3600 bucks, is the red line. And I click over to the warm WA87, that's the orange line, and we can instantly see that the low frequency is pretty similar, pretty similar through the mids. And then all of a sudden there's some pretty significant deviation in the high frequency response um, centered around six kilohertz, really different response on those two. And so all of a sudden I'm going like, well, so what, why might that be? If Warm was trying to clone or recreate the U87, well, what if their model of the U87 was a vintage one? that had a softer top end response. Cause personally my experience and, and from anecdotally what I've heard from others is that there's a difference between a modern U87 produced by Neumann and a vintage one. Okay. Um, and that might be due to aging, but it also might be due to differences in how their production process and their, their components specs have changed over time. That's so funny. So they might even argue our, uh, clone sounds more like a U87 than the real <laughs> That's right. Fast forwarding, I, I've noticed that companies that do modeling microphones like Townsend Labs, Slate, Gage, Antelope, 
they have the liberty of not only do, of of um, giving you multiple versions of U87s as as models, so you can pick a modern one, you can pick a, a vintage one, um, and 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 play with those different different profiles. Audiotest Kitchen is primarily it's a it's designed to help you focus on the sound, but there's also some cool visual tools like the frequency response curves give your ears superpowers and that they can help you go like oh wow okay I'm gonna I see a dip here at six thousand at, at six k I'm gonna start listening for that all of a sudden it opens up your hearing mm-hmm. and, but there's some other tools that we built in too and I'm just gonna go up the upper right hand corner and click on this I button and we have um, both FAQ we have actually hotkeys that allow you to more quickly navigate your session. And I'm gonna use um, one of those hotkeys right now. And it's the um, the numbers on my keyboard, on my laptop. Um, numbers one, two, three, four, five, and six will select taste tests, the corresponding taste test slots, which are also numbered. So I can easily now, with just my hand on my, on my numbers on my laptop, jump between the U87 response and the warm. The U87 response and the Pluso U87, the, U87, the Neumann, the Antelope, the Neumann, the Townsend. And so I can really quickly not only get a visual comparison, but also that, that same principle works really great when you're comparing microphones. And in that, in that um, hotkey menu, you'll see there's a few other cool ones too, like hitting the B key takes you back to the beginning of the audio track. Mm-hmm. So while we're talking about audio tracks, it's like you know what your the sound that you're comparing is uh hugely important to what we built and we were super deliberate about designing the content to um create something that was uh actually fun to listen to good music um and also that would bring out and reveal all the characteristics of the microphones that you need so um I'm actually going to show you some of the solos here. There's two songs right now. And again, if you join the mailing list, you'll know um, over the next couple of months, as soon as we release the uh, the two other songs that we have uh, in, in other genres so that you can get different types of music and different types of sounding, different sounding sources to compare these microphones on. So... In this first song I pull up, it's a it's a, like an old school LA hip hop tune, and within it you can solo the bass, the electric guitar, the piano, vocal, um, piano, uh, room, um, and then also a, a drum stem and a dry mix. And the dry mix is is um, just a, a different version of the mix, which is in the stacked effect here, which is a really cool tool. Um, the stacked effect was processed with um, UAD plugins, so. They were really cool. Like they, this about a week or two after we launched, they called us up and said, "Dude, this is amazing! Like, can you? How quickly can you build us an audio test kitchen um, for our site?" And I hope it's okay for me to talk about that. But um, that's a work in, work in progress with those guys, and they sent oh, cool. us some some cool. Um, they sent us uh, some satellites and all their plugins so that we could um, we could take our full band mixes here and um, process them. As, as you would if you were making a record. Mm-hmm. So not only can you hear the raw sound of each one of these microphones, but you can hear it in context of like, 
here's here's the the plugin settings never changed, so our mix never changed. Um, but we add a little compression to the vocals, added a little compression to the drums. No, we didn't EQ anything because that's one of the main differences between these microphones. But we added like a touch of reverb and like you know a little slapback on on the vocal, that kind of thing. So you could kind of real world contextualize. Um, how these microphones might be uh, if if you were to own them, and that brings me to the stacked effects. So, the, um, for those of you who are just listening to the podcast, there's a toggle between solo, so that would be um, able to you know hear any individual instrument within the track, and then the opposite side of that toggle is stacked effect, and it's basically a mix. But why we call it stacked is because what happens is if you record. Uh, using if you record every source using one microphone, its personality stacks up. If you've got eight sources, ten sources, twelve sources in your track, all of a sudden you get an eight x, a ten x, a twelve xing of that microphone's personality, its characteristics. So if it was hard, and this is something Nathan that I observed in uh, in the showroom a lot uh, at Vintage King or when I was doing sh- shootouts. Comparing a microphone on a single source, sometimes those differences are pretty subtle. So we wanted to create a way to naturally amplify the differences between mics. No processing, no trickery. It's just literally like, hey, man. And, you know, this is what a lot of people do anyway. It's like, you know, I notice you're talking into a a Heil PR40. What if that were your one and only mic? Or what if that were your best mic and you just recorded everything with it? And you're like, you recorded. It's the best. (laughs) <laughs> you recorded your vocals, but you also stuck it in front of, you know, a guitar amp and a bass amp and you put it, you know, in the kick drum and you put it, you know, you'd have to put it on everything. Your tambourine. You know what I mean? Like, sure. So um, that's what stacked effect simulates. You know, if sound, if the sound is really the most important thing and it's it's more important than price and it's more important than looking, you know, uh, at a frequency response graph and, and more important than how these products look, their visual design, the aesthetics, you can flip the audio test kitchen interface which is just a free website works in your browser into blind mode yeah, this right is one of my corner. favorite features oh cool good yeah. so you would have asked me about this um okay you flip it into blind mode and the interface automatically shuffles the position of the microphones in the tape taste test at random so that you can't you know track you know, oh, that mic was, you know, the, the, the Neumann that was the warm. Um, and then it, so it allows you, and then it, it makes them anonymous. So now we can't see the pictures of the microphones anymore. We can only see uh, like our little audio test kitchen logo um, and a letter assigned to each one of those microphone taste test slots. So the thing that you want to do as you're listening, you want to take notes on each microphone. So like, let's, let's say that we were doing a listening session and, and rather than trying to get good audio over zoom and have it sound all funky and like, Hey, it sounds weird to me. (laughs) Go, go and do this on audio test kitchen. It's free. So let's just say this first microphone, I'm like, um, you know, crisp above, uh, 8k. Let's just say my ears are, are that, are that good. And then I go to the next one and I'm doing some listening and I go like, um, a bit 
woolly and see there we go I, these are these are terms that make sense to me but you know if, if i said woolly to you you might be like oh my god i've been looking for a woolly phone all my life <laughs> you know that's the one but for me i'm like oh woolly is not what i'm looking for right now so a bit woolly in the low mids okay so i and i submit that note make sure you hit submit every time and then this next one i'm listening and i go like oh man that's like uh open top end exclamation point uh, hit submit and the next one. So you get the idea. And this, this last one, I'm going to go like, um, one of my favorite terms, um, supple. Oh yeah. <laughs> supple mid range. I love that. Okay. So, and it's supple mid range that I have been looking for all my, all my life sure, or for new 87s. Okay. So now I'm done with my blind test. I'm going to flip it back into normal mode. I'm going to go back to the flex box and I'm going to select the tab, the third one down, the little notepad. Now I can see. Um, now I can see what my uh, what my notes are, and it looks like I've you guys. Since I'm a logged in user, it actually records my historical notes um, mm -hmm. that I've done in all my listening to the U87, for example. So I've got notes from today. I've got notes from April 18th. I've got <laughs> so. But if we're looking at just the notes that I put today, now I can see like. Oh, in my blind taste test, the you know, remember I was looking for the one that had the supple mid-range, and in this case, it just so happens, and I didn't actually listen to these, but I can see which microphone had the supple mid-range. It was the warm audio, W87, $599. Oh my gosh, I just saved myself three thousand dollars. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> and then, you know, if you if you really want to, um, one way that you can as a um as someone who is hopefully uh, benefiting from using audio test kitchen you can click you can click the shopping cart and you're not you wouldn't be purchasing a microphone through us um, but you would be taken to your favorite dealer to make a purchase and then that our relationships with dealers we actually um, are just getting those going um, would help keep audio test kitchen free um, I was hoping you could tell us about maybe one of the biggest or most painful mistakes you've made in your career. Probably applies to Audio Test Kitchen is that we had to be okay with that the the idea and the fact that developing a product is a journey, and we had to take failures. And you referred to some videos that are available to to watch about Audio Test Kitchen's process online. We had to be able to go, like, here, here we are in the studio. Now, picture this. We're at East West Studios, and we've got 250 microphones, and we've got a crew of 10 that we've hired, and we're paying, you know, a, the, the rate of a world-class top studio every day, and assistant engineers and all this stuff. And we're three and a half days into recording drums on these microphones and we realize something is not right. Oh no. And we have to, and, and at, that was a real moment. And, and we had to choose at that moment who we are. Are we the people who go like, hey, welcome to Audio Test Kitchen. Now it's not quite perfect and you're gonna have to ignore the fact that the tuning of the bass drum and the snare drum slightly changes and the hi-hat is a little off from time to time, but this is the closest you've ever gotten to be able to do a legitimate, you know, unbiased A-B test under standardized conditions online for free. Sure. Not going to do that. <laughs> we had to go and 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 that decision, that decision to to stand up for and and um, do what it takes to achieve and deliver what we value was a twenty thousand dollar decision. Wow. 
threw away that studio time, the drum rental, all that stuff. And then had to swallow that like, oh my gosh, our best laid plans led us to failure. But now think about like a much more epic expression of this. Let's look, look at a, a company that like makes rockets. Let's look at like SpaceX or something like that. They build in failure as part of their cycle. They're they are trying desperately to make things fail because when it comes down to putting the human beings in the dragon capsule, that thing can't fail. <laughs> so if you flip it and go like, let's find out every place possible we can make this thing fail and let's just be like, let's embrace that and let failure be our teacher, fail forward. That's, uh, man, if you can swallow your ego and, and reconcile with like, dang, I thought I was really smart coming up with this idea how to solve this problem. <laughs> and I guess it didn't work. You know, like, oops, I guess I'm not as great as I am. But your greatness is in your ability to adapt and learn, learn from your mistakes and adapt. Can you think of one book that has been really helpful to you? Call of the Wild, Jack London. Yes. Wow. That's a good one. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I was just reminded of that. It's uh -huh. like, you, you, you know, sometimes your life really does depend on lighting that match. What's one or two that you have to listen to every time they come out? Lewis Howe's School of Greatness. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. L-E-W-I-S-H-O-W-E-S. Well, Alex, where is the best place for people to follow your work? So I would, I would invite everybody to um, go to audiotestkitchen.com and first thing, actually, scroll to the very bottom of that homepage where you can learn about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and see some lasers and robots in action and stuff like that. Yes. Watch a one-minute video that is Audio Test Kitchen in a nutshell that shows you uh, some of the processes we went through in the studios and the Anacoke Chamber at Harmon. Go all the way to the bottom of that homepage and join the newsletter. And, and that way you can hear about the new content that's going to be coming out and, um, and um, uh, just, yeah, receive, receive. We want to give, give, give there. Facebook, uh, what is it, dot slash whatever, Audio Test Kitchen. Look for Audio Test Kitchen on Facebook. Look for us on Instagram and um, um, let's see, me personally, you can reach me info at audiotestkitchen.com. Audio okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining me on Sound Design Live. Nathan, thank you so much for having me as your guest. And I want to say hey and thank you to everybody who's listening. Um, we are all in this together, making the world a better sounding place. I admire you. I applaud you. Be courageous in um, not compromising your own standards and make the world, bend the world to your vision. <laughs> Sound design. Wow. I want to thank Robin Applewood for all the music in today's episode. If you want to find more of his music, you can do that over at robinapplewood.com. Sound Design Live is supported by Ross, Learn Stage Lighting, John Scott, Pedro Bob, Roadie Free Radio, Joel Ellis, Jim, Kuba, Sinqui, Terry, Nicholas, Chris, DC Sound Op, and Dave. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive.